We are so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive after betrayal, trauma, or addiction. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. Now, why am I an expert? Because I've treated betrayal, trauma, and addiction for over a decade. I want to invite you guys over to our premium site where you get in-depth content and access to us. We answer questions there for you and you get interaction with like-minded people. To find that site, go ahead and click details and scroll to the bottom, you'll see the link to our Patreon site. Hi guys, welcome, welcome. I have a fan shout out that I wanted to read and it is titled Honesty. Thank you for being brave enough to express, express very honest feelings on your podcast. Thank you for having courage to talk about subjects that no one else wants to talk about. My only critique is that I feel Ashlyn has not been talking enough on the podcast as normal. Hopefully everything is well. Thank you for all the help you're giving couples with real struggles. So I'm just going to speak to that. <laughs> Everything's good. <laughs> I don't feel like I've changed any. And we hear reviews like Ashlyn's talking more. Ashlyn's not talking enough. I'm just quiet, guys. Yeah. Like I, this is our personalities and... Kobe's like out there, talker, or go get, and Ashlyn is a little totally more quiet. Me. And sometimes people feel like, Ashlyn, your voice is kind of subdued and that, you know, we we hear more from the addict side of things or <clears throat> that's not our intention. It's just who you guys are. Definitely. Yeah, right? So I'm, I'm definitely trying to share my, my side of this as well. So yeah. that's us. Awesome. Well, let's jump into today's topic. And uh, I think... I think it, you know, it's a, it's an important topic and one that, that I think we could could have done a long time ago. Um, so we're talking about why it's important, really the order of treatment. Um, when you come in, you do an intake with a therapist, they start in, if they know what they're doing, then the therapist is going to assess you and, and see how kind of where you're at in terms of recovery. And they're looking at three recoveries. They're looking at her recovery, his recovery, and your recovery together, right? His, hers, and ours. Which I had no clue about going into this. Right. You, just, you just go to a therapist to try to get fixed, right? Yes. We'd always in the past gone to therapy as a couple because we had couples problems. Right. So with sex addiction, it's a, it's a little different. So when you go to a couples therapist, you sit down and the couples therapist usually does some Sue Johnson stuff, which is EF, emotionally focused couples therapy. Or they, they do some Gottman stuff. And, and so they do couples work to try to work toward connection. Um, but think about it. When you're going in to sit with a therapist and you have betrayal trauma and sex addiction involved, if, if, if I'm going to just try to force some EFT or force some kind of connection on you in that moment, but the foundation of the healing individually hasn't, hasn't taken place yet, then I'm actually going to do more damage to the couple than good. And so, um, what, but, but can you say more as to why, yes. why that's the case? Yeah. So if I have a sex addict who's hiding things still, um, acting out compulsively still, um, and destroying trust in the relationship and they come into a couple session together and they say, Hey guys, let's learn how to be intimate. Let's learn how to be close. Let's practice how to communicate in those ways. I'm actually pushing, I'm going to be pushing her further than she really needs to go for what's healthy in that moment. He's not going to be ready either to be vulnerable with her on that level. And so it's a lot of wasted money and it's a lot of wasted time because it just does not work. Um, 
The therapist can give skills, they can give tools, they can give all those things, but unless some things are healed first, individually, the relationship won't work. I think we can speak to that because that was exactly, like legit 18 months before we started specialized therapy, that's exactly where we were, is seeing a, a therapist who just was a, was a great woman, a good individual therapist, general like a general therapist, man, we spun and spun and spun our wheels. And even though addiction was on the table for us, right? As, as like, right. she knew what was, what was up and she knew about the first affair, but I was in the middle of the second affair actually, um, while we were seeing her. Which proves your point, Brandon. Yeah, listen like, to that. I'm in the middle yeah. of, so, so a good CSAT or a specialized therapist would be able to pick, pick up on your disconnect and your denial uh-huh. and start to hone in on, on that and confronting that yeah. rather than like forcing the couple to try to figure things out to make it better. Because right? really the focus would turn into like, why isn't Ashlyn saying anything? What's wrong with Ashlyn? And trying to figure me out. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong Meanwhile, with me. Meanwhile, <laughs> Kobe's having his second affair. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. So there was enormous disconnection, but um, there was, it was like we were, the way that we would describe it a lot is, this this elephant was in the room and we were like dancing around it not like we weren't tiptoeing but we were just like working around it in circles and we i really just feel like we left not having we didn't have any more skills we didn't have any more connection and i would actually leave do you remember i would leave like super super mad after every session and it would take me like a mile and a half down the road until i could like let go of being angry and we but we didn't realize that that was not normal considering what our issues were. Right. So when we did our intake, um, when we found specialized help, the therapist that actually knew what to diagnose, right? Um, I remembered them giving this plan to us of saying, okay, Kobe, we want you to do these things. And Ashlyn, we want you to do these. Right. And couples therapy wasn't even on the plan. And I right. was like, this is kind of weird. Right. And kind of uncomfortable, honestly. Right. Uh, so so a couple usually comes to therapy because their relationship is so painful that they want it to change. And so the relationship or the, the nasty, broken down relationship, that's a symptom, but it's just a symptom of individual unhealthiness. And so if you come into treatment and you say, hey, let's fix the relationship, um, but you don't address that unhealthiness in the individual's then it doesn't get better. Um, so I oftentimes, when I do an intake or I'll, I'll meet with a couple a, a few times, um, I'll tell them, look, we're not going to do couples work for six months or a year even. What We're going to separate you guys out in your treatment. We're going to make individualized treatment plans. You're going to check in with each other. So we'll have sessions here and there with you, but it's more logistical it's, it's kind of seeing where you're at, what's going on, how, you know, maybe we can work through some things that you can't communicate on just so you can move forward with life. But we're not working on real intimacy here. We're not working on the deeper stuff yet until we can get your shame under control, until we can get the compulsive behaviors out of the way, until the betrayal trauma, you can learn how to deal with those triggers in a healthy way, practice your emotion regulation, a lot of different things on an individual level. And as each person works individually, if you if you start to work individually and get healthy, the couple's work is actually fairly simple. It's not that hard because both people are coming to the table prepared for healthy attachment and healthy connection. I'm going to say something that may be like super annoying, but 
I would say the couples work for us has been more fun. Yeah, it is fun. Because we are, I mean, it took us a while to get there. Years to get there in our case. But it's been fun because we are really learning skills that help us in parenting and all these things. And it's not recovery related anymore. Yeah. It's like being a human. Yeah. But, but you know what? A good, healthy relationship is a lot of work, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and it comes easy. If, if, I'm, if I'm resilient to my shame, if I don't have massive secrets underneath, things that I'm hiding, if I can accept what is as it comes then my wife can be mad, she can be upset, she can, she can be in a, a great place. I can be there with her and she can feel my love. I can connect to her, um, I can be a support for her, I can empathize with her. But the only way that I'm gonna be able to do that healthy attachment is to be able to be strong myself, right? I think there, there's, um, the thing, there's a couple of things that keep crossing my mind. Number one is when we went to therapy, it was because um, we would, we would think like there's something broken. It needs to be fixed. Okay. That was, I think that was our mentality with going to therapy. Right. And I think that's generally speaking, like really accurate for how people view therapy in general. Okay. Is something's broken. You need to fix it. Well, nobody ever wants to be fixed. <laughs> Right. right. I am it's, the broken. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's, that's what exactly what it's acknowledging is, is I'm the broken. I'm the one that, that's, that's got the problem. And that's a really hard thing to face if, if you have an addiction or if you have betrayal trauma, but that's just hard to acknowledge and admit, especially to other people, even if you're not dealing with those things. Right. So I think the idea with this is, is, and that's why the title is what it is, is why we worked on the me before the we. And so if you approach this as like, okay, there's in our marriage, there's struggles but that's a normal thing and we have to work on this rather than go to someone with the expectation that they're going to fix it. Yes. The therapist is going to guide you through the road of work to get to where you want to be so yeah. that you can individually heal and then, as, and then as a couple. And I think that if you have that expectation going into it, I think you'll, you'll realize this isn't a one and done. This isn't like a one or two visits. How long do we need to go until we're fixed? Not like Oh, we asked Z-pack. that. Don't worry. We, right? we said how many times... How many more times until then, we don't then have we'll to get, come? Then we'll get better. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And you'll, you'll fix us and we'll get better. Right. And, right. and the truth is, is that it's like the way that I view that in my head is I thought, okay, our degree of, of really crappy times in our relationship is measured on a scale of one to 10. Okay. I'm just using some, some really simple ways of measuring it. So things really suck because I've been relapsing. So the, the difficulty scale is at a seven out of 10, or maybe it's a 10 out of 10. And so when I would feel like in the past that if we could be fixed with therapy, then what that fixed was in my head, and I didn't realize this is what I was thinking was, is if we can just get the really, the really uncomfortable emotional charge and discord out of our life, and we're back down to zero, then we're okay. I want to get back to normal to where it's not uncomfortable anymore. But that's a, that's a fallacy. Spo- spoken like a true addict. I, <laughs> I don't want to feel any pain. Totally. Right? Right? Yeah. I don't want to feel any pain. I want, this, I want this to go away. I want this to be fixed. Again, synonymous with I have strep throat. I want a Z-pack and I want to be done with this in seven days. I want to feel really right, good in, right. in 48 hours because I just want it to go away. And, but, and, and fixed is Ashlyn smiling saying, we're good. Yeah, we're fine. We're good, and I want to have lots of sex, even though you're watching porn. Yeah, we're we're fine. Right, right. That's not fixed. Kobe says that in jest, but he really did. Oh no, I like, I like legit. I legit really wanted that. It was like let's fix this whole issue around sex, and it was like I had no idea how how much devastation I was I was wreaking on. And I think that's why when 
all of this happened. I mean, I would go to couples therapy with our family therapist for, we went 18 months. And it was kind of like this chore for me because I'm, I'm not getting anything out of it. Right. It was spinning in circles. But when we really went and said, okay, we're going to go and and really do this and work recovery. Um, and to be clear, Brandon is not our therapist. Right. Some people are confused by that. Um, I was mad. Like, why do I have to do as much work as you? Yeah. Right. And right. so you might be feeling that if you're listening and thinking, you know, we only this have money for problem. him to go. And so he's got the biggest problem. He's going to work on it. Even well, if you're not working at, with a therapist, there's so many things you can be doing right. to work on you. Right. And I want to I want to hang on to that and address that in a minute because I think that's really important, especially for the betrayed. Yes. Where you come into therapy and it's like, look, my husband's acting out with sex and he's doing all this crazy stuff and you're telling me we're going to separate and I got to work on myself? Yeah, it, right? it doesn't what? make sense, especially when things are like chaotic. Right. And And, and it's, you know, it's kind of looks like the old model of treatment for this, which is, look, you're a codependent, you're a co-addict, you're unhealthy, so you got to work on you um, because you're so unhealthy here. And, and, and that doesn't really work because betrayal trauma is a real thing. And it's not just that you're an unhealthy whatever like person. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have your own responsibility to do your own healing after you've been hurt, yeah. right? And the analogy I always use is... <clears throat> is the, if I got in a car accident and I broke my femur, I could turn to the person who hit me and I could say, fix my femur, fix it, fix it. But I'm going to have to be the one that goes to um, to therapy to, to, to strengthen my leg again. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard, but I have to go there and I have to do that work, right? That's a really good analogy. So, it totally like is. That. That's, yeah. that's so accurate. So let, let me just finish this one thought. And that is, remember the, the scale of one to 10, if we're in a really uncomfortable place and we're at a seven and, and we get out of what's uncomfortable because we're doing a little bit of work, right? And we get back down to zero, which is like, okay, this is where we normally are when we're not having problems. And I just want to get back to there because it's not uncomfortable. Well, the truth is, is that Ashlyn and I had to get out of what's uncomfortable. And, and I think some of the bedrock of that was meaning we had to go from this really emotionally charged place, right? Down to, um, to get out of an emotionally charged place, we had to do some work, which included me taking ownership of what my role was, what my addiction is, you understanding what betrayal trauma is and saying, okay, this is a legit thing for me. But then that's like the baseline. And then all of the work, that's when the work begins. It doesn't begin there, but that's when the work, the the real heavy lifting takes place because guys on the other side of like, this is a really hard thing to do. Like our, 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 the really, the suck scale (laughs) for, for lack of better terms, even though that's gone away, there's a new norm to adapt to. And then there's all this other growth on the positive, really great, um, emo- like the connection scale essentially is on the other side. And through the heavy lifting and the work, couples can, like we grew, we grew closer because of that. So guys, the whole idea of like, I want to go back to what's normal so, so hang on. sucks. So what you're saying is, okay, back in the day, the old goal was no pain. Yeah. And now you're looking at it and you're saying, no, like through that pain is actually learning how to work through that pain is actually how you create intimacy and connection. And just, just trying to have no pain in the relationship. That's what a lot of people try to do. Right. Um, But the, the ultimate goal is to actually have real connection and love in the relationship, not just no pain. Right. Yeah. 
That's so. that's that is very well articulated in a sentence, and it took me <laughs> like four minutes to try to articulate that. <laughs> um, one thing that I see all the time, you guys, that I want to bring up is couples think this. They think, okay, we I've had it. This is hard. Um, things need to change. It's time to go to therapy. And when they gear up for therapy, they think, okay, I can't wait to go sit on Brandon's couch and tell them all the ways in which that person sucks, yeah. all the ways in which that person needs to change so Brandon can fix them and change it so that I can be happy. Oh, that was totally, are you saying, you're describing <laughs> me, right? I'm describing most of the couples that end up on my couch, oh my right? Gosh. And they sit there and they, they have their finger pointed out saying, you, you, you. Well, what about they do this? And what about they do that? And, and, and it's true, like you gotta point some things out, but therapy ultimately isn't that. It's not you come in and we look at how bad the other person is just a horrible person. Yeah. It's let's look at how you're creating this and you're contributing to this and how can you shift this and not just be a victim to that other person, right? And people people waste a lot of time and a lot of money just sitting on a, ca- a therapist's couch pointing the other finger yeah. back at the other person. Now, what happens with uh, betrayal, trauma, and sex addiction is um, couples come in and we, we, we've got to separate them out, right? So, so they come in to point the finger and the, 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 the relationship in and of itself is, is so triggering that it's toxic to their own recoveries. So they want the therapist to fix the relationship and push them closer together. But in reality, the relationship has to shift and it has to change. And this is why we'll do things like therapeutic separations Mm -hmm. or really kind of limit their contact at first or their, their connection at first, because you know, the one person can give you the wrong look and it fires you off into oblivion, right? Or they can say just the wrong thing and you can't, you can't, you don't have the tools and the skills to regulate yourself to deal with that. Right. So it's important. Therapy is such a heated place that sometimes it just triggers people and then they leave and then they fight all week. Wow. Yeah. So the relationship can be toxic to recovery. The relationship ultimately in the end is a, is a huge asset for recovery. Right. Sometimes we have to kind of remove that relationship so that they can work on their individual recovery. Did you have any thoughts, Ashlyn, of I want to, like, we need to do this together? Um, I, I don't know if I've ever asked you that before, like going into specialized therapy. Were you thinking that we would do this together? or And no. how did you respond when it was like, okay, you need to split out and work on I yourselves? remember very vividly you saying, okay, I found a place that I think we're going to try it. And it's focused more on my stuff and... Um, but we're doing it together. I just, I guess in my, the back of my head, I just kept thinking like, he's going to be doing this mm-hmm. and I'm going to go and I'm going to support him. And so I was taken by surprise when it was Amy <laughs> saying like, oh no, you're going to do all these things. And it was like, so, oh. so, so the right attitude is he's not going to do this to fix us. Right. And she's not going to, oftentimes it's the, it's the wife saying, let's go buddy. Like come on into therapy because we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get us there so that we can get fixed. She's not going in there to fix us. Right. Um, you both need to go into therapy saying, I'm going to fix me. Right. Right. And if you go and you say, I'm going to fix me, then you, you stand a good chance to fix us. But first you got to focus on, I'm going to fix me. 
And I think that's probably why it was so uncomfortable for both of us in that first, what, four, six weeks Mm -hmm. of starting was I was like, I shouldn't be here. I judged. um, I I was comparing everyone else's stories to Uh mine. Mm -hmm. Like, I shouldn't be here. My pain isn't deep enough. Um, Kobe would judge his and like, they've done way more than I have. I shouldn't be here. Am I really an addict? All these things. And it was really uncomfortable to sit in a room with other women who were in pain. Right. And I was at the point, most of us, when we come into recovery, we're so super numb of feeling. And I, one, didn't know how to use a feeling wheel and understand what I'm feeling to begin with. But then to be surrounded by women who are feeling (laughs) was like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. Right. I love that. But the thing about it is, is like, you're t- Ashton, you're talking about your treatment and what you experienced, right? Um, the reason it worked for you. Yeah, it did. Why did it work for you? Because it was me focused. I don't know. I, I look at it like this. The women that I get to help, and it's not therapy, it's help. We're mentoring. I see a lot less finger pointing when they're working recovery, sometimes on their own. Yeah. Like their, house, their spouse isn't even interested in recovery. Yeah. And it blows my mind because I think... You're amazing, one, that you really are working your recovery no matter what. Like, right. Despite you you are divorced, despite yes. your spouse doesn't want recovery or it, to admit blame, you know, or any of that. So, you know what, Ashlyn, some of my most healthy clients in the most solid recovery, whatever that is, are um, women who are recently divorced. And, and it sounds like, well, that it, uh, it all failed. The right. relationship didn't work. It didn't happen. No, they have. In fact, I had a woman tell me today, she's like, you know what? Like I can, I am so grateful that, that I ended up in therapy and going through all of this because I'm a completely different person now. And, and she's getting divorced, right? But, but she's different now. And so she's moving forward. She's finding real recovery. So, yeah. And I know that recovery is like that reclamation of self, but for me, I really feel like recovery for me has been read, like figuring out who I am. I Not didn't read, know but who like I for was. For the first time, really. It's that finding too. myself. Right. That's yeah. it. And uh, so, That's yes, it. I am grateful for this huge mess that we've lived through because but, it has made me grow. But, but it's, a, it's, it's counter to, there's a paradox to it that's really confusing. Naturally, when something bad happens, we want to say, you hurt me. This sucks. It needs to change, right? And and in in order to really progress in recovery and in treatment, it, coming from a place of I I see that this happened to me, and now I'm humble to learn from this experience and move forward in it. That's where real healing takes place, both for the addict and both for the betrayed. To say. It's painful. It's hard. It's not okay. I need to learn healthy boundaries. I need to learn, learn all this stuff, but I'm humble now. I'm not blamey. I'm not prideful. I'm, I haven't positioned myself above waiting for somebody else to fix me. I'm humble and I'm open. I, I love working with those clients where it's, they're just like ready to soak it in. Mm-hmm. They just like can't wait to try something new and different in their life. And they, they get results. They do that consistently. They get results. I think I've told this story before of Kobe um, when I was running the foundations group and I came in and I kind of pitched the long-term treatment group to the foundations oh my gosh, group and yeah. came in and pitched it. And I was like, yeah, guys, we're going to do this long-term treatment. 
you know, and I hadn't even finished explaining it. And Kobe raises his hand and he says, um, yeah, I'm doing that. Right. Before he even fully knew what it was, he just knew that he needed to do it. And he was open and he was willing and he's like, where do I sign up? I'm ready. Yeah. That was it. That was, uh, the pitch was amazing. (laughs) i'm not a salesman (laughs) no it was it was it was for sure i I will say this the the education that i received in your foundations course for the six or eight weeks whatever it was was really really important to help me one build a tolerance for therapy and being uncomfortable in an office dealing specifically with this right okay because that's a thing. Right. I was super uncomfortable just showing up in the parking lot <laughs> and then the long 50-yard walk into the office. Yeah. And then in the waiting room, before it all started, it was like, oh, all my these gosh. Other people. I'm going to be in the toilet until like four <laughs> minutes after the hour, and then I'm going to go in <laughs> because I don't want to. That, that took some time. But through that, though, legit, there were some fantastic um, nuggets of understanding that took place, like really learning that my brain had been wired to... Um, to cope to with life's stress. Out. Yes. This way was like, oh, yeah. like this explains why I can't stop. Right. This explains so many things. So that piece was super, super important. And I know that that piece, that education that took place would have been diluted and my own shame would have kept me from, from learning what I did if Ashlyn was next to me in those classes. Right. Because you would have been triggered and wondering, you know, what's going on with that. How's she feeling? Like it, like the autonomous learning process for me and the focus on self. (sighs) I'd never done so important. I'd never done that before, but it was, it was enlightening. And, um, and, and what's more is it took me getting over what's uncomfortable and it took me learning a little bit to realize, okay, this is safe. Yeah. And if, and if I'm safe here, Right with my therapist, with Amy, I'm safe in group learning foundations with you, and I feel comfortable. Then I then I began to be more open. Like let's move forward. Like, let's okay, do this. Let me really face how bad this actually is for me. But the truth is, is that as that happened, then I became um, I became more comfortable. I became more open. I became more vulnerable, and I became more honest with myself in acknowledging the depths of where I had gone. And that created um, connection with other guys in my processing group. Okay, listen. So I want to walk just th- walk you through the progression because I've, I know Ashlyn and Kobe, both of you have done this. And, and I think just, just to, in a nutshell, break down the process of recovery, what that is is having the courage enough to, to go to therapy or to do something different, right? And then find a place that's safe. There's safety there. Yeah. And as the safety's there, then then it's a lot easier to be humble. And and as you're humble, you're open. And as you're open, then you're willing, right? You're willing to to try the things they're telling you to do because you're humble and you're safe and you trust them and right. Um and and, and as you're humble and open and willing, you're engaged in the process and you do that consistently and you create connection. So now you're connected. And once you're connected to other people in recovery, you start connecting back to yourselves. It it comes so much easier, right? Yeah, and there came a time during all this that, you know, we were not working couples therapy. We weren't even doing check-ins really um, with Amy. 
but we would come back from not talking about what was going on in our groups and things to say, hey, this is something I learned tonight and I want to talk about yeah. it. And we started to develop this intellectual intimacy. We would, we were able to talk about things that were vulnerable. This is where recovery becomes fun. Yeah. It's like, whoa, I'm Look discovering I'm this about me or I learned this at therapy today or you know, this other guy had this experience I totally related to. And then you're like, oh, tell me about it. I want to mm-hmm. hear. I want to see how you're growing. What's happening? It was really and, fun. And I did um, a Brene Brown um, 12-week shame resiliency class. And to share that stuff was even cooler because I was seeing it in through my lenses. Right. And working on me and my stuff. But when I'd come back and share something, you could see Kobe like wheels turning like, totally. okay, I see this in me. See, but now you're now, now you're talking about connection together. So you're talking about your individual recovery, but Affecting you're actually starting to connect and affect your marriage. And now you're doing couples work, right? Yeah. Um, and the cool part about that particular piece, as far as the intellectual intimacy, that exchange, right? I know for sure that inwardly, I was listening to the pieces of shame and shame resentments because I was doing some of that. I wasn't as focused on shame, but I was addressing shame in my own processing group. And I was exchanging with you, Ashlyn, moments of, of um, where I felt shame in my life, not necessarily about addiction, but just areas in life where I recognized how shame showed up yeah. outside of the, the arena of addiction. And that was super important because that was it was safe for me to talk about how i how i felt shame outside of a, a addiction right. but i wasn't yet secure and resilient to shame about addiction to share those with you but that came in time mm-hmm. and so i think that's one of the things to consider is is as you grow individually then you can grow as a couple in your intellectual exchange but you can share and exchange experiences outside of this in just life in general and that might be with family it might be with work it might be with like Parenting. early life uh, childhood experiences there's all kinds of ways that 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 intellectual intimacy and bond can build and then that's a stepping stone too really becoming vulnerable with each other about how shame showed up or about addiction or about betrayal trauma and how emotions felt. God provided this, um, <clears throat> like, the, he, he threw us a bone here. And, and what it is is that betrayal trauma, sex addiction, it destroys relationships and it destroys trust. Yeah. But here's the, here's the silver lining and the beauty of it all is when a couple is willing individually to engage in their own recoveries and they start to get into recovery, the, the trust and the safety that they have is tenfold yeah. from before the time that all this betrayal, trauma, and sex addiction even came in um, because they both are coming to the relationship now rigorously honest, humble, willing to and wanting to be vulnerable with each other, resilient to their own shame, and that creates an amazing, an amazing relationship that can last for the forever. Right? Now, I would, I'd ask you to speak on this, Ashlyn, an amazing relationship for sure, but not void of what? 40 minute arguments right before a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do we need to talk you guys? (laughs) No. And that's the cool thing is we had this really intense conversation this morning during our workout Mm -hmm. that we paused the workout. We sat, we had this conversation that was hard. It was uncomfortable. And we're both sharing, this is uncomfortable. And we want it out, but we sat, we sat in it, we finished and we hugged. And I'm like, 
this is recovery. That would have turned into who knows what back in the day, yeah. right? And it probably wouldn't have been a 40-minute conversation, honestly. Would it have probably... ended quickly and you would have disconnected yes. it and would resented have been, each I'm other. I'm done with my workout. I'm not doing my dailies because I hate you. Right. And that the other person has all the control right. over you now. Right. But now look at that. You sat in the pain with each other. You worked through it and you connected on something hard. Yep. It's and, beautiful. And, and the cool part about that is is that the it's interesting that it took place during a workout because it was a hard, sweaty, tough workout. It's only it's only what 40, 40 like 40, 40 minutes, minutes including you know warm up and cool down. But we paused halfway through, had our conversation, and it's a good thing probably that that conversation happened halfway through because the first half was hard, but we got stress out, we got emotions out mm-hmm. before we actually had the conversation. The cool part about that is I really think that was a big contributor in your being able to be vulnerable to say this is how I'm really feeling. And it also helped with my ability, because I didn't first, to show up and to have empathy and hold space for you. To like to give to be there by your side and hear you in your pain. And then once we were able to do that, then we finished our workout. So the daily things that we've done, which we learned through individual recovery, have affected our relationship and our marriage in a big way to the point where we can work through those so quickly. Think about it. If I'm not like getting good sleep and like I'm, I'm tired all the time and yeah. I, I never exercise and I, I'm just unhealthy, then all of a sudden I'm supposed to have energy to work on my marriage with my yeah, wife. It's draining. It's draining. It's, but my individual recovery work would be my self care to, to take care of me. And what do you know? When I do that, then I have that energy to, to work in my marriage. Yeah. So I needed so many skills. Oh my gosh, you guys. And if we just look at this from like a skill set standpoint, okay, just as like a human, there were so many skills that I did not learn, nor did I possess when we started our marriage. So I needed to, <laughs> I needed work. I needed to have focus on myself in order to skill up so I could show up. Yeah. And then that, that was, that was just such a necessary, if you just look at it, even outside of, <laughs> even outside of the realm of addiction and, and betrayal, it, we all as individuals need to have skills. Yeah. Absolutely. We do. And I, I've said it before. I'll say it a million more times. I am so thankful that we were compelled to make change. Absolutely. Because most people are just living life how we were. Maybe not our same story, but just okay with mediocrity or less than. But you know what, Ashlyn? Is, is when you're, even if you're compelled to make change or if you decide to make change or whatever it is, once you start to make change and once you see pr- progress and positive change, you realize that you'll always be making change and that it's a never ending process and you become comfortable with that. You become okay with that. You don't just arrive then all of a sudden, Hey, Hey wife, like I've arrived now. So, you know, <laughs> no, okay. it's, it's constant self-reflection, change, humility, openness to, to, to working on ourselves and, and that's what creates a healthy Oh my life. gosh. It's funny that you're saying that because that's exactly where my mind was going. But I want to hear from you, Ashlyn. What does that look like for us, what he just said? Constant change and growth. What have we done to continue that since we've, you know, it, since we ended individual work? We've what have we taken continued to do? courses. Um, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So we've taken specific, like, Human, I mean, they're, they're human. I call them human courses because they make you a better human. We did a mindfulness-based stress reduction class to learn how to be mindful, um, connect with our bodies. He's taken men's yoga, prana yoga, mm-hmm. to learn how to be with himself and sit in those feelings. 
um, the shame resiliency courses. Um, we read books all the time that are self-help. Um, I've said before, I used to numb out with uh, fiction. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't read fiction anymore. That, right. that doesn't mean I can't. I just don't enjoy it. I really enjoy learning and reflecting. Right. Um, I like learning from people who are two steps ahead of me. And they're saying, hey, this worked for me, and I'm going to tell you how. It can right. work for you. I like that. Um, we share that. And so if he's listening to something for the third time, because that's how Kobe rolls, um, he's going to tell me why it speaks to him. And I love that. And it's cool to see it show up. And we can talk about those things like, hey, I saw, uh, we noticed this morning, our younger daughter is very mindful and present in her everyday life. And my reflecting on that is she had healthier parents when she was younger than our oldest daughter, who mm, she's learning. She's learning how to be mindful right. and present, but it's a little bit trickier for her because she had different parents. Right. You know, right. we were different. Right. I, I think you guys are an incredible example of what I said is just openness and constant growth. And, and, and one thing about our whole platform and what we do, we, you know, we get feedback and we get uh, a lot of times people are kind of assessing you guys, especially like, is Kobe totally unhealthy or is how's Ashlyn doing? And the fact of the matter is, is you're up and you're down and, but you're bumping along and you have this attitude of growth, this, this growth mindset. And so some days you suck <laughs> and some days you're doing awesome, yeah. but overall you're awesome. Well, right? thank you. The trajectory. I mean, that's, that's really what I appreciate you saying that honestly, but that's really what we're focused on is the trajectory because the, the long-term trajectory is one of growth, but yeah, we're always going this way, right? But there but, are but days when we're like, it's the crash stock, landing. stock market. It goes down, <laughs> exactly. but it's, it's it's trending upward, For sure. always, and it has been because we're because we are we're focused on that, and I have every confidence that we're going to continue to hit roadblocks, or we're going to hit bumps in the road. We're going to hit, you know, all of a sudden the road ahead of us is going to be like <laughs> winding and steep inclines. And that's okay because we are, as a couple, and individually equipped with the tools and the mindfulness of the tools to work to deal it. with it. For sure. Right. And that it. is one thing. I do get asked that sometimes. Like, well, what if? You know, people come up with these what, what if, if scenarios. What if this or that would happen? What will yeah. you do? Because you're so public. And one is, one, we're different. Like, we know more now. We have tools. I can show up and I can react different than I did 10 years ago. Right. And so... Yeah, we can worry about those things, but I don't waste my time on right. the what if. And if they come, you'll have the tools to deal with them. Yeah, yeah. Right? The the same things that we started doing individually with recovery are legit still the same things we're doing now <laughs> because right. we've grown we've we've grown in so many ways that it's like why am I going to stop? Yeah, why stop? And it's what not makes it, us it's not like we're fixated on on recovery. We're fixated on being mindful of the boundaries that we have. Right to be to, to to be safe, right? Right, and also to be connected, and we're really habitual right. in the way that we live. And as long as I continue that, time is going to work with. to help me f mm -hmm. to, to to continue to change. Work with you, yes. Yeah. Time will work with me to make the change that I really want. Yeah. So, um, I this has been a rad episode of reflection for me because we don't often go back to the very early days of of recovery, at least in such a concentrated time. So this has been. A cool journey of reflection. And I love the fact, and as much as you're not our therapist, Brandon, like I love the fact that you had handprints all over m like mine, for instance, early. And um, it, it's, 
it's and just you super got meaningful. to see the the Kobe before uh, the that no one else sees. The shift. Yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's it's really yeah, cool. It's been fun to watch. It's a meaningful so. thing. Thanks. Okay, so as far as um, the uh, the deep dive on this, um, I, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about this because with the deep dive, we can talk about the mile markers to um, to be watching for and to and to make certain that they're in place on your own journey as far as working on yourself, but also working on yourselves as a couple and what are some considerations what are things that you need to be able to keep front of mind through your journey that's it yeah that's what i what i was hoping to talk about is specific things that individuals can work on in order to get healthy yeah and the deep dives over on patreon so check us out you click on episode notes scroll to the bottom and it's going to be the first link there guys thanks for being here honestly this is uh we, we love the fact that you're here listening love to have a rating and love to have a review so hop on over there on itunes and leave that for us. And again, um, share this if if you're able to, because there's no telling how much good this can do if you share this with somebody who needs it. Thanks for being here, Have guys. Have a good one. See you guys.